0: This is The Guardian.
1: If you are a black woman in the UK, you're four times more likely to die from childbirth than a white woman. It's a shocking statement, but it is just one of the findings of a report published last week by MPs on the racial disparities in maternal health. And although the report's findings were described as shameful and appalling, they won't have been surprising to the women from around the world who have experienced what it's actually like to be black, Asian and pregnant.
0: Due to my mixed heritage, even as a 30-year-old pregnant mother of one, I felt I was treated like I was having an unwanted pregnancy. I was always asked how I felt about the pregnancy and even towards the last trimester, I had to reiterate I was in a loving relationship and this baby was
1: planned. That's Hannah, her words are being spoken by an actress.
0: Rather than dressing in comfortable jogging bottoms or hoodies, I would go to my appointments dressed as if I was going to work or for an interview. I think I was doing it because I wanted to be taken
1: seriously. Campaigners have long been saying that the discrimination faced by women of colour in maternal care is impacting their wellbeing and safety and that of their children.
0: I felt I had to prove that I wanted my baby and that I could look after it and that I cared about my baby's wellbeing. I don't feel like I should have had to prove that I wanted the best for my unborn baby.
1: So with the issue in the spotlight, we're asking, What's driving these racial disparities? And what needs to be done for things to change? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Andrew Gregory, you're The Guardian's health editor. Last week, the Women and Equalities Committee published a report which aimed to get to grips with the problem of racial disparities in maternal health and the evidence surrounding it, what did they find?
2: Well, they included the fact that black women are still, in 2023, almost four times more likely to die uh, from childbirth than than white women uh, in the UK. And in fact, Asian women were about two times more likely to die than white women. The report also focused on deprivation and inequalities more generally in maternal health. And MPs found that maternal death rates in the poorest areas of the UK are actually on the rise, which was particularly worrying. Overall, the report found that too many black women receive treatment that falls sh- short of acceptable standards. And I think one of the biggest findings which we reported on was how it was frankly shameful, as one MP put it, uh, lack of action on this issue despite the evidence being there for years and years
1: the findings from the report to me were very shocking but of course as you said people have known about this for a long time and black mothers who are going through the healthcare system it won't come as a shock or a surprise at all have you perceived a sense of frustration of there being continued reports about this, but nothing really actually happening to change those statistics?
2: Yes, one of the most striking things that came out of the reporting of the MP's findings was how similar the responses were of groups working in this area, mostly constituted of a lack of surprise and, in fact, a tiredness at the situation they find themselves in with these types of reports now regularly being produced, but actions still not usually following them. The task force that was set up only last year and actually was announced by the government nine days after I reported on how health inequalities had not been tackled, the MPs were able to show that since that point, only three meetings have occurred, And in fact, the last of those was in July of last year.
1: These kinds of disparities aren't just limited to maternal deaths, either, are they? There are other aspects of maternity care that are impacted by race.
2: That's absolutely correct. And we've seen some very strong evidence from, for instance, the Office for National Statistics recently, which found that the stillbirth rate of black babies in England and Wales is about twice that of white babies. And families from mixed and, and multiple ethnic groups are still registering the highest increase in stillbirths, which is a trend we've seen for some time now, but again, seems to be increasing, which is a, a concern.
1: And these issues aren't just happening in the UK. One person who's been looking at this is Professor Shakila Thangaratanam, Dame Hilda Lloyd Chair of Maternal and Perinatal Health at the University of Birmingham.
3: If you look at pregnancy outcomes, it doesn't matter if it's for the mother or the baby. If you are a black mother, you are at a disadvantage uh, in terms of these outcomes. Irrespective of the country, it doesn't matter if you are based in the U.S. or European countries where the studies are being done. In addition to increased risk of stillbirths and neonatal deaths, the babies dying after being born, they were also at increased risk of preterm births and babies being born on the smaller side. And we looked at a variety of factors. We thought, OK, what if it is to do with a mother's education? Because often you think it's not just a race and ethnicity alone. There are some other underlying factors, such as the socioeconomic status. So we adjusted for these and we found that still race and ethnicity did contribute directly to these poor pregnancy outcomes.
1: Right. So it's not just socioeconomic status, although that, of course, does play a major role in health outcomes. And I know other scientists who look at this have also said there's nothing inherently different about black and brown women's bodies that's leading to this disparity.
3: So it is about race. So what's happening then? This is based on our discussions with mothers from underserved and underrepresented groups. In our own interactions with mothers whom we see accessing care and what consistently has been identified is they feel that their concerns have not been listened to as much as it should be. So that is a matter of the interpersonal communication gap that happens for a variety of reasons. Uh, This could be in terms of the awareness of the healthcare provider or in terms of mother's own um, perception of how this communication has happened.
1: Not having her concerns listened to was something that Hannah described to us. She recalled her experience with her GP in the very early days of a planned pregnancy.
0: The first time I went to the doctor, I had tested positive but had some light bleeding. I went to the doctor and he told me that if I was bleeding, then I wasn't pregnant and there wasn't anything to worry about. I explained that I had tested positive a few days before the spotting and that me and my husband were trying to start a family. He was adamant I wasn't pregnant. A few days later, the spotting stopped. I went back to the doctors, along with the positive pregnancy test I had taken at home. He again told me that I couldn't be pregnant. I insisted that he did a test in his office that came back positive. He then booked me in for a blood test that confirmed that I was pregnant. By the time these results were relayed to me, the bleeding had become worse. I was given no information, no reassurance. I've often wondered, if I had been from a different background, would I have been taken more seriously? Although the miscarriage couldn't have been presented, my mental health and trust in the doctors could have been improved.
3: Even somebody like Serena Williams, we know that when she gave birth and when she had a problem, despite the influential position that she is as a Black mother, her concerns were not listened to. And in somebody who's had experience of this repeatedly in their life, it's going to be very hard for them to advocate for themselves, especially during pregnancy or during childhood, when they're at their most vulnerable, then to stand up for themselves and do it. So it, this is something that we really need to be aware of and address it as healthcare professionals. The second one that we still need to look in detail is the barriers within the health system in terms of how care is accessed and how care is delivered. So for example, um, if a mother has got epilepsy and then she becomes pregnant, then there needs to be an urgent review on how well controlled her epilepsy is because we know that it is the second highest cause of mothers dying from seizures that are not well controlled. The second thing that needs to be done is to review of the medication. So all of this means that the mother should be able to access care much earlier. And if there are additional barriers, be it language barriers or cultural barriers, then this is not going to happen early enough and appropriately because then this mother never gets to access or accesses specialist care much later in pregnancy. Lastly, what we call an internalized barrier. So if someone has had a bad experience in the past, which they attribute or which could have been attributed objectively to their race and ethnicity, they are more reluctant the next time they have a problem because they either feel their voice is not as valuable as somebody else's or they think it's not going to be heard.
0: When walking into my appointments, I would feel my demeanor change. I felt I had to be more confident and assertive so that I was taken seriously or listened to But at the same time, I had to be calculated with my responses, as I didn't want to be stereotyped as being aggressive or dramatic. This was extremely difficult for me, as naturally I'm a shy individual, but in order to receive the care I felt my baby and I deserved, I had to be firm in my discussion and prove that I understood the information that was
1: being relayed to me. Shakila, when the problem is so complicated and nuanced, what needs to be done? What would you like to see happen?
3: We do need a three-pronged approach. One is from the clinical side. So we first need to make sure that we report how care is accessed by race and ethnicity and also report outcomes by race and ethnicity. We also need to look at the satisfaction that patients and public have when they have access care. So for example, every single hospital do have a friends and family test and a complaints mechanism. We need to disaggregate the data and see other specific groups that actually feel they are not receiving care. And then within the health system, we need to have mechanisms that identify those women that need additional care and provide targeted care. So that's how clinical service is provided. From the research side, funders will need to prioritize and fund studies that both give us an in-depth understanding of the barriers as well as the facilitators for some of the solutions for a variety of conditions that are disproportionately affecting women from ethnic minority backgrounds, black mothers, Asian mothers, like diabetes and pregnancy, which we know affects uh, women of Asian background and, uh, and and black mothers more than white mothers. But we know very little about other conditions. And I think it will be a simplistic view to say that mothers are more likely to have uh, some underlying problems and therefore that attributes to it. I think that's only a very small part of the problem. And lastly, in terms of education, we need to make sure that an understanding of the challenges that uh, women from ethnic minority backgrounds face and how care is provided need to be part of medical midwifery and nursing curriculum. And this will have impact beyond just pregnancy outcomes because a mother who feels confident and safe in voicing her concerns will voice other concerns to do with her children as well as even outside health issues.
1: Clearly, there's a lot that could be done. So I asked Andrew Gregory, why hadn't it been done before?
2: I think there's a number of reasons. One is, um, unfortunately, there is just an ignorance of the fact that you've got various factors in play here. Racism, a lack of data uh, when it comes to these issues and a lack of collection of that data. And also, unfortunately, a, a wider problem, which is disparities in health generally in the UK, which is linked to the problem in black maternal health.
1: So what have the government and the NHS said in light of this report?
2: The NHS says that it is committed to ensuring all women receive high quality care. They also pointed to the fact that they've provided about £7 million to help local NHS systems reduce health inequalities. And the Department of Health and Social Care, they point to the fact that overall, the NHS is one of the safest places to give birth in the world, and that is correct. But they acknowledge at the same time that there are still existing and persistent inequalities in maternal health. They say they've invested $165 million, uh, in the last two years, to improve and grow the maternity workforce. They say they're improving and increasing training and they say that they're focused on improving the situation.
1: Do you think that this report will make a difference?
2: I'm hopeful. So are the groups um, that have particularly raised concerns around these issues. But I'm also sceptical that in an age when we've seen You know, half a dozen health ministers changed spots in the last six months and there's so much going on in the world. As I said, I just remain sceptical. I think the problem we've got is at the moment uh, we're in an agenda where ministers have framed attempts to address uh, these problems, uh, such as health inequalities, diversity and inequality, as symptoms of a woke agenda. And the problem is that is getting in the way of enacting real change.
1: Thanks so much to Hannah, to Professor Shakila Thangaratanam, and to Andrew Gregory. You can read his article on this story at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeline Finley. The sound design was by Joel Cox. And the executive producer was Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
3: This is The Guardian.